1: We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has
0: transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my a good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, as always, my friend. We are in the thralls of consistently having conversations around fasting and the fasting lifestyle just came out of a most recent challenge just an incredible group tons of new energy uh in the continuity group and just really starting to unpack how we're going to start to level up um you know our fasting knowledge and our fasting application and we joke that uh you and i spend most of our days and most of our time talking about fasting and that breaks our first two rules So if you're new to fasting and the fasting for life method, then um, your first two bits of homework are don't talk about fasting and don't talk about fasting. If you're more experienced and you've been with us for a while, then yes, you've seen the results. You've made it, um, started to implement this into your lifestyle, and then you can go and share with others, of course. But um, this is a conversation today, Tommy, that you and I have received multiple questions on, and it's been on the docket Mm -hmm. to dive into and talk about for how long would you say since we started yeah forever yeah yeah and this was a question that my dad asked me originally Mm -hmm. um when he was starting the fasting journey and lost over 65 pounds and reversed his diabetes was like well my doc's worried about my gout and i'm like right and you should be but Mm -hmm. what we're gonna do should be okay and you're gonna see the results so just do you trust me yeah. And luckily he trusted us probably more you than me. Um, <laughs> but in that moment uh, and then the transformation took place. So it's been on the docket for a while. So I I, I love the conversation and we're going to try to keep it reined in to being succinct mm-hmm. and give you some action steps of how fasting can hurt and or help uh, the production of gout flare-ups and the uric yeah. acid levels. So we're going to zoom out like we typically do 30,000 foot. Then we're going to zoom in some of the specifics. And if you're sitting there going, well, I know gout affects men more than women, usually a three to four to one ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had gout. Don't think I have gout. Uh, this, I'm not a man. This really doesn't apply to me. Yeah. Um, there's still going to be some really cool talking points about insulin, insulin resistance, medications, so on and so forth, that um give us a shot here. I think I think we're gonna it's gonna be a good one, even if you don't fit into the specific category of a gout sufferer.
1: yeah, absolutely, because uh, just like you alluded to, a lot of things are happening under the surface, under the hood, if you will, which is similar to how insulin resistance builds over time and oftentimes gets you know um kind of stays under the radar for a long period of time while certain things are are kind of getting worse in the background. so gout's similar in that with, with uric acid, because you may not ever notice a gout flare up or, or even be considered that you have gout until it reaches a certain tipping point, which is, which is something that's building over time. And we'll get into that.
0: Yeah. And so that's, let's, let's start there with what is gout. So gout can be called, uh, you know, sometimes described as an arthritic condition. It's an inflammatory Mm -hmm. condition. Um, it is the buildup of uric acid, which then gets deposited in the joints. There's an inflammatory cascade that takes place. And then boom, you have your acute gout attack, uh, which can be anywhere from six to 12 hours. And then it can last, you know, probably typically resolves itself within seven to 10 days. And the, the main concern is that this comes from a natural physiological process. And this is the formation of purines. Now this is from the journal of International Journal of Cardiology in 2016. It's the regulation of uric acid metabolism and excretion. So I want you to envision, just like Tommy, you said, talking about insulin resistance and how it builds over time. Uric acid resi- levels will build for 10 to 20 years, they estimate, before you actually have your first attack.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so there, there is a, a normal physiological range that they're they're normally um, sitting there um, in, a, in a normal normal healthy individual a young individual someone at a normal healthy weight and then over time as usually well we see a high correlation with with weight and other um, portions of metabolic syndrome as right. those things get higher and higher as weight grows um then uric acid levels are rising even before they reach that that tipping point where you experience an actual flare up
0: yeah we'll talk about how fasting can stimulate some of those flare ups and then we're going to give you the exact plan on how to, which is the main point of this, which is getting the weight off and decreasing the mm-hmm. insulin resistance, which is going to remove the uric acid and those buildups. So We're going to unpack all that as we go. Um, just for clarity in terms of the purine formation and how that leads to, to uric acid, um, purines are important. They're important for DNA formation, RNA formation They contribute to modulate energy metabolism and signal transduction. They're structural components of enzymes. They play an important role in the, the physiology and the makeup of your platelets, which is part of your blood and your muscles and neurotransmission, right? So yeah. there's, purines are a very important thing. And your body has a natural balance of these. So a, a creation of, and then a synthesis of, and then a degradation or a breakdown of, and this takes place mm. in the liver. And there's a relationship here to glycogen and insulin and, and all of those different types of things. And we'll go over that here in just a second, but the overproduction, um, is generated from the metabolism of those purines. So it's the last step when they're being broken down. And then what the body will typically do then is it will excrete them. One third of them will be excreted in the intestine. And then the majority here, which is a key component, uh, is going to be excreted in the kidneys, And that's going to be a a big unpacking or talking point when we come to the, um, the plan, if you are trying to lose weight and you've done the keto diet and you can't seem to get it to stick and it causes your gout to flare up. If you've been doing the intermittent fasting lifestyle and you're like, well, I can't lose weight the other way. I thought this was going to be the answer. What the heck's going on?
1: Right. It's important to understand that, that, that kidney component that you just mentioned is a, is a huge part of this whole thing, because as as anything stresses the kidney or stresses the the filtration rate that's happening, um, which has uh, has to do with our, our blood pressure, our actual um, you know urine excretion, anything that's affecting those those systems will affect the uric acid production, the uric acid levels, and overall the actual severity or frequency of gout flare ups too. And so um, that's that's important to to remember that that whole two thirds. Is excreted uh within the kidneys.
0: So the study that really connects some of these dots is uric acid, impaired fasting glucose, and impaired glucose tolerance in youth with overweight and obesity. So one of the overarching things here is uh, or one of the risk factors I should say for gout and the fact that it's um predominantly in men, right? And, uh, there's another category of menopausal women that have a higher risk and Mm -hmm. they're related to the fact that, um, there's a big correlation between the obesity levels or the overweight category. Right. But also alcohol consumption, high fructose corn syrups, um, the, the effect of kidney diseases. Right. Um, and not just like a full blown diagnosed kidney disease, but as your weight increases the effect. <clears throat> Excuse me. The effectiveness of your kidneys goes down. Right. So, getting the weight off is really important. Now, how fast you do it, and how sensitive, and how long, and how higher uric acid levels are, and how glycogen um, s- stuffed you are, how much glycogen yeah. and short-term energy supply you have is going to be a part of, you know, whether or not you're going to see these gout flare-ups. And the cool thing is, in this study was there's a direct linear correlation between uric acid levels in the blood and metabolic abnormalities. So if you have mm. metabolic syndrome, over 50% of gout sufferers have some category of metabolic syndrome. So yeah. triglycerides that are out of whack, HDL that's low, um, uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Mm. Um, you know, And then from there, you get the uh, increased chance of forming diabetes. Right. Right. So I'm going to land the plane here. Impaired fasting glucose and insulin resistance. So the underlying cause of weight loss resistance, the underlying reason why you develop blood sugar related issues in the long term, uh, you know, over the, over decades, those are directly related with higher levels of uric acid. And then the impaired glucose tolerance and insulin sensitivity the insulin sensitivity, which is a good thing, are reduced when you have high levels of uric acid. So the take-home message here is that insulin in itself stimulates your liver to produce uric acid by the breakdown of purines while reducing. So it increases the formation and mm-hmm. decreases the excretion. So it's a perfect storm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so both things are going in the wrong direction as we increase our, our insulin resistance and decrease our insulin sensitivity, which, which, which makes absolute sense why this could be developing for years and years and years and decades before ever actually having a gout flare up and why we see such high correlation with being overweight and being obese and then suffering from gout and other related things, because um, those those levels are rising, those concentrations are not being allowed to fall as they should. And again, any additional stressors on the kidneys is going to make that that problem that much worse. And that's part of the reason why, as we get into longer fast, or as we see more ketones, some of the data out there says, please be cautious, or don't fast if you have gout, things like right. that, because as ketones levels as ketone levels rise, those start to act on the kidneys as well and start to get competitive with excretion of the uric acid. So they're, they're kind of battling each other, right?
0: Yeah. And that's, that's that whole juxtaposition of that. Just imagine the old chemistry scale, right? So we have the problem mm. on the initial creation side, and then the problem on the excretion side, we've got the increased weight, we've got the insulin acting on it, we've got the blood sugar levels. And that's you, you had said something from that study um, to kind of connect the dots there, which was Looking in that study with the overweight youth, is that the um, highest levels? So when your uh, uric acid was higher, right, which is a marker yeah. of impaired glucose metabolism, so your body's inability to process food that you're digesting, right, mm-hmm. mainly in post challenge rather than in a fasting state.
1: Yeah. So what what that means is that. If, if you take two individuals, one's a normal, healthy individual, one's a high level gout sufferer. If you just looked at uric acid levels while they're both fasting 12 hours, 20 hours fasted, you're going to see very similar uric acid levels. But as soon as you bring in the food or bring in the glucose, bring in a sugar test and put sugar in both of those individuals, then you're going to see the normal, healthy individual stay within the normal range of uric acid levels you're going to see the gout sufferer the person who has a uric acid excretion problem those uric acid levels are going to immediately start to go through the roof and that's where you're going to see the difference in those two
0: yeah so you're you're literally by you're you're stoking the fire Mm -hmm. right and yeah. so when we talk about action steps from this, um, you know, there's, there's popularity out there and you had mentioned that Tommy and the keto in the, the keto diet, right. Right. Um, you know, we, if you look, just go Dr. Google, uh, gout and uric acid, right. You're going to see, um, well, high, high, you know, foods that are high in vitamin C remove the alcohol, remove the high purine mm-hmm. foods, the organ meats, yeah. those types of things. Right. Um, so that's an exogenous, that's an outside source of increasing the potential production. Then Mm -hmm. you have the insulin component that increases the production, which is an endogenous or internal source. Right. And then people are like, well, I need to lose the weight. Um, and then my doctor put me on, you know, a diuretic, Mm -hmm. which has a direct increase. It's a, it's one of the causes of gout flare ups. So then you're doing the keto diet or you're, you know, you're doing a, you have to watch your protein intake. So then what yep. are you substituting that with Well, you're adding in carbohydrates? Carbs, yep. Carbohydrates stimulate glucose. And yep. now you've got this extra energy supply. So you just said you're no longer in the fasted state. you now have this, this energy that needs to be burned, which then increases the production. And you've got your kidneys <laughs> that can't excrete mm-hmm. it. And you're sitting here in a perfect storm of well, what do I do? How do I right. navigate this? And if fasting is a lifestyle that I enjoy, but I can't fast because of the flare up, um, and when fa- just to be clear, when your body reaches ketosis, the ketones restrict the ability of the kidneys to filter out uric acid. So that's right. where you get that increased kind of rising kind of. Um, Uh, levels over time but you also have you know like we talked about the diet the diet component and then the the one that really surprised me when we started looking in this and we're going to hammer hydration here in a minute but it's when you release the weight Mm -hmm. your fatty tissue actually produces uh, excuse me when you keep the weight on Mm -hmm. your fat your adipose tissue increases the production of uric acid It literally releases uric acid into the body. So you've got the food component, you've got the insulin producing component, you've got the, uh, excuse me, the internal component, you've got the external component, you've got this dichotomy of of opposing, like you said, push-pull opposing forces. And it's like, all right, well, how do I navigate that, right? Well, I thought I could just change my diet. Okay, great. Great. You could, but that could also... um, Be just part of the issue and only get you part of the way there.
1: Yeah, it's it's really there's a complex set of arrows here, and it's no wonder why a lot of folks suffering with gout feel like they can't figure out how to you know how to control it or or what to do to to get the weight off and how to navigate this. Because what what I didn't even hear you mention was was blood pressure related issues. Because if you are if if you have been recommended to go to reduce sodium. your diet then that's going to push more water out you're you're holding on to less water which means all of a sudden uric acid levels those concentrations in the blood rise immediately and then you mentioned your fat cells actually um increasing the the purine levels or the uric acid levels but as you metabolize those as you drop the weight then those can also release those same compounds, thus increasing the uric acid levels. So it, it's like, it's like a catch 22. Yeah. If I move backwards, I, I get worse. If I move forward, it, it kind of gets worse. So how do we, how do we kind of navigate it? Well, you, you have to understand that there's, there's several moving parts at play, obviously, but if we can, if we can navigate this, get the weight off and um, keep the t- the, the, the scales tipped in our favor and know that there are a few things there's, there's probably going to be um, a, a few roadblocks along the way, a few times where you go, okay, well, maybe I should, maybe I should do something a little bit differently here. You can, you can make tweaks over time with the hydration, with the the ketones, with the length of your actual fast, with what right. you're putting on your plate. Right.
0: Right. Hey, y'all I Wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is, Uh, We were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35-plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is... Uh, We had a feeling that it was something that we were missing, and the indoor air air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors, and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money, and they have not done the results that air doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room they filter out 99.99 of dangerous contaminants that includes pollutants such as allergens pollen pet dander dust mite mold spores and even bacteria and viruses so i don't know what it was that was keeping them up but it is now gone so air doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money back guarantee so if you don't love it send it back for a refund minus shipping Head to airdoctorpro.com. use promo code fasting for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers, an exclusive listener um, offer for you as well, you'll receive a free three year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value that's exclusive to you the podcast listener now hearing this in real time, lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life you guys know, that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. For clarity, when I said fatty tissue, what I was referring specifically to was visceral fat right? Mm. So abdominal obesity, and even if you're not obese or overweight, you can still have visceral fat, the fat in between the organs, right? The stuff that increases your, your risk of a lot of those comorbidities that come with blood sugar related issues, but metabolic syndrome is the high blood pressure, the high blood sugar, the high serum triglycerides, low, low serum um, HDL. So the good cholesterol being low, which increases your risk of cardiovascular disease and type two diabetes. So if you look at most people in the fifties to seventies, there's going to be a blood pressure concern, a cholesterol concern and a weight concern. And that's just 86% of the population by 2030 is going to be obese or overweight. So we're not talking about like the minute, we're talking about the, 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 we're not talking about the small subset. We're talking about the majority, right? Now does gout affect everybody? No, but you know, having the excess weight, which is where we started this conversation can lead to these increased things. So what are you going to do? If you're a gout sufferer, And you really love fasting, but you've hit a couple of those roadblocks, Tommy. Yeah. And you can't, uh, you've had a flare up or you hit a certain, I think you had a conversation with someone recently where they hit a certain hour and it was the first time they'd hit that hour and they had a flare
1: up. Yeah. So my, my dad in particular, um, when he reached the 36 hour mark, he's been a long-term gout sufferer, probably, um, you know, 10 or 15 or or more years. Um, so when he had, I I think it was the 36 hour mark and then he noticed, um, a, a flare up. And so we started, you know, kind of digging in from there, like, Hey, why, why would that be? Well, so as ketones as ketone levels start to rise, which they, they tend to do as we get, you know, 30, 36 hours plus, we, we tend to see a rise in ketones. Um, then we're, we're tipping the scales back in the higher uric acid in the higher potential for gout flare up kind of range. So the, the sweet spot there is, is, is burning through some of those long-term fat stores at a, at, a, at a steady pace while keeping ketones from getting too high so that they're pushing back against you on the, on the gout side. So, uh, you know, somewhere in the like 20 to 30 hour fast kind of range would be a really good point to, um, get enough time to get insulin levels, low tap into long-term fat stores and break the fast before ketone levels get too high. And then on the back end of that, when you are breaking the fast, that's going to be you, 20 to 30 hour fast. You don't have a whole a lot of room for error for, to, to maintain consistent fat burning, because you, it's not like you, you just burned fat for, for two, three days, right? Like an extended period of time. So being very intentional when you do break your fast, putting some, some intentionality, some planning into that lower purine foods, like you, you mentioned before, and just making sure those are, you know, fresh, good, healthy, nutritious foods. When you do break your fast means that you can consistently, you know, see those, those, those fat burns.
0: Yeah. And there's some other triggers here we want to mention too. So keto diet is, is going to increase your chance. Um, like you just said, the, the dietary component overall, um, you know, when we're looking at breaking the fast of the research that we were looking at is anywhere from the 48 hour plus Mark, right? So mm-hmm. you're still going to get a great fat burning weight loss effect from the, from the 20 to 30 hour range, right? Yeah, right? You're still going to see a, a considerable decrease in insulin, which is going to be one of those internal or um endogenous uh type forms of, of purine mm-hmm. production, which can right. lead to the lack of excretion or the buildup of uric acid. So, and then there were some studies at like 38 hours, 54 hours, right? So we're talking about longer fasts. There's some studies that look at Ramadan fasting and seven-day fasts and those types of yeah. things. But we don't want to, you know, lose the weight too quickly, right? We have a whole podcast episode on that, but we want to do it in a way that's sustainable. And, you know, what you just said there about the intentionality of breaking your fast. So a couple of things you can do is really focus on, you know, alkaline rich foods, vitamin C rich foods, and removing those purines, right? The liver, the game meat, anchovy, sardines, our alcohol is a big one as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we mentioned just for clarity, the diuretics, which can also cause the dehydration, which is what I want to talk about now, which is something that can also be um, proliferated in a fasting state. So when you fast, insulin comes down and then your it tells your kidneys to actually excrete water because, and this is why we see people drop their blood pressure, right? When they start fasting, like, Oh, my blood pressure dropped down. Yeah, right. Exactly. So diuretics do the same thing. So diuresis, right. With fasting Mm -hmm. and diuretics, which is the medication due to high blood pressure. Um, it's a double-edged sword, It's kind of like that catch 22 again. So you're like, all right, well, what do you do to in these 20 to 30 hour fasting windows? Well, you're going to have to supplement. And this is going to be counterintuitive to a lot of you because one of the recommendations of high blood pressure is to cut out the salt, right? Which is actually making the problem worse. So you're going to have to use either Himalayan salt, a good uh, form of a Celtic sea salt, like a Redmond's. Or you can use any type of those, you know, those LMNT electrolyte products or a trace mineral, or um, mm. there's there's a product out there called Relight that also has uh, the ability to help balance that electrolyte. So you don't yeah. have to be drinking two gallons of water a day to rehydrate really what um, some of the uh, gout or arthritis.org and um, the straighthealthcare.com about what gout is uh, kind of like a a higher level what's that one medscape right so Mm -hmm. don't go to medscape but the straight straight healthcare.com arthritis.org says you want to do 1.5 liters we would love to see you doing 90 ounces of water plus adding in that salt supplement or trace mineral supplement
1: yeah because the the key here is is remembering that uric acid concentrations are directly related to your hydration level so if hydration is coming down, like you're, you're transitioning into the ketosis process. You're going through that diuretic effect, you know, dropping the water weight, especially if you're, you're just starting off, um, fasting, that's going to lead to some shorter term dehydration. Well, that can immediately rise uric acid levels in the blood. So to combat that you're, you're going to want to be very intentional, um, with the hydration portion. So, so consistent water intake, if, you know, if, if nighttime, um, nighttime, like bathroom issues are, are a problem, you know, maybe stopping, you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon, not, not getting too late into the evening with it. If you're not used to drinking that much water, but this can be a big game changer for feeling like you have a level of control or whether you have a frustration level. Cause we've seen a lot of gout, gout sufferers going into longer fast and having those, those like frustration, getting some pushback from it. And then, and then feeling like, Oh, well, I guess fasting's not for me right? But but it, it doesn't have to be like that.
0: Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you've been doing fasting longer and say you're, you're tracking your blood sugar numbers and your keto ketone numbers, you really want to stay in a low level nutritional ketosis. So mm, like 0.5 yeah. to maybe 1.5, you don't want to be pushing those ketones higher um, yeah. because you're just going to be fueling that fire. So um, from a dietary standpoint, on the positive side of things that you can add into your breaking of your fast, right? The intentionality behind that, Cause you know, you can't do too much keto cause that'll produce, you know, a problem with the excretion of uric acid. You can't do too right. many carbs cause then that produces the insulin, which then yeah. produces the purines. Right. And then, yep. um, it's like, you can't too much, too, too much protein. Cause a lot of the purines come from the metabolization of the mm-hmm. proteins. Right. Yep. So what do you do? Okay. Well, the good news is, is that you can add in alkaline forming foods, And fasting really limits the the amount of those purine inducing, those high purine-based foods, right? Yeah. Um, because you're going to be limiting your ability to have those meals, right? So alkaline foods would be like kiwis, cherries. You guys, if you ever just Google gout, one of the things you're going to see is cherries, right? Tart cherry juice. Yeah, yeah. Blueberries, pineapples, papaya, lemons, apples, um, and then vegetables as well. So cucumbers, asparagus, bell peppers, celery is a good one, leafy greens, right? So Adding in a giant, and I know this is standard dieting mentality 101. Have a big salad, right? right. Yes, yeah. have a big salad, but have a lean protein with it as well. Um, and really, you know, just being intentional about breaking that window with with a with a balanced plate, right? Another cliche, right, in the nutritional yeah. world of a,
1: balanced plate, have a right?
0: balanced plate, right? So not too much of this, not too much of that, not too much of this. So just a, a balanced plate of the fats some, some unrefined processed carbohydrates, even, um, a little bit to something on your plate for some satiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, a healthy protein source, but not too much adding in those leafy greens and those alkaline foods can really help you feel fuller. And then also not be kind of stoking
1: the fire from your dietary choices. I think what you said there is, is a great point I want to underline, which is the fact that when you're fasting, you're not going to have The opportunity to be eating all of these foods and all these purine-rich foods all day long. So don't be afraid of like of a of a steak, right, or of a of a of a piece of meat, right, on your on your plate, even though it is on the on the purine food. But when you're 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 fasting, you're doing twenty to thirty hour fasts. I mean, make it a make it a good balanced healthy plate, and that's okay to have some meat on there. But you know, these are all of the tools to kind of have in your tool belt to keep the the scales tipped in your favor as you're you're navigating, dropping the weight consistently over time. This is going to be about slow and steady wins the race. This is going to be about consistency over time, dropping the weight and and taking those those three main action steps, the, the fasting, the hydration, and what you're breaking your fast with. And then just consistently applying that so that you can um, you can get there and, and see the success without getting frustrated or thrown off course.
0: And there's just a couple of other triggers that I want to mention would be like wearing too tight shoes, right? You can Mm -hmm. stub stubbing your toe can cause that short-term inflammation menopause, um, based on the hormonal changes. So the estrogen allows the kidneys to release that uric acid that drops off when you're in menopause. So that's another potential trigger, um, you know, losing the weight too quickly, we already unpacked that We to unpack the diet, the, the point of getting the weight off overall, the hydration, and then the medication side, the diuretics and the aspirin as well. So aspirin can also boost uric acid, right? So yeah. um, it's, it's, it's something that's taken very commonly in the demographic that we're talking yeah, about that suffers true. from gout, right? So these are things to take into account when you are putting these action steps into your day to day and I know we mentioned like tracking your ketone levels if that's not something you do then you don't have to run out and get a ketone monitor you yeah. be like oh now we need no that's like taking all of these different talking points which I know there's been a lot and yeah. putting them into a, all right I'm going to push my window a little bit I'm going to change my plate a little bit I'm going to increase mm. my hydration a little bit I'm going to know these other triggers and understand that if I'm in a fasting window, I probably shouldn't be popping a couple of extra aspirin. Now, this is not medical advice, right? I'm not mm-hmm. saying if you're taking it for a reason and talk to your doctor, or whatever. But right. just have knowing that these are all other causes that can lead to it, and we don't, as a takeaway message, Tommy, I mean, we don't have to be afraid of using fasting or the fasting lifestyle, because the cool thing is, is a couple of the stats, and you found this one. Um, three-time increased chance of normal uric acid levels when you have a 10 kilogram or approximately 22 pound weight loss. And there was a really cool timing component to that stat.
1: Yeah. That stat was tracked over a seven year period. So whether you lost the weight in three months or if, or you, you lost it over a period of seven years, dropping that 10 kilogram, that approximately 22 pound weight loss was associated with a three times higher likelihood of being able to effectively control those uric acid levels, whether or not you had gout, which is the great part, it didn't have to be at the tipping point to see the the overall reduction in the uric acid levels. And that that's, that's huge. That's incredibly empowering, um, you know, perspective right there for anybody on a fasting journey or not. And there's a whole nother rabbit hole. We can go down here
0: with uric acid and its relationship to overall health markers. Mm. And we're not going to, so Dr. Dr. David Perlmutter, you can go find him and go down his research rabbit hole, but I want to make it known that it's not in this case. Yes. It's a fasting podcast, fasting for life. We've gotten this question dozens of times. It's been uh, something that's touched you and our, uh, both mm-hmm. of our lives personally with our dads yep. um, and, and their health journey. So, um, really just hopefully the encouraging thing throughout this entire conversation today is that, um, it's doable. You can do it. And hopefully today gave you some of those tools. So if you're new to fasting, uh, hopefully you got some nuggets out of today, you can go to the website, download the fast start guide. If you've been intermittent fasting and you haven't been able to get it to stick, or you've lost five, gain five, et cetera. Um, the fast start guide is really how to p- take you from an intermittent window and bring you to a one meal a day window, which is really where we see the needle move for yeah. a lot of the people that have gotten frustrated or stuck with their weight loss journey, not necessarily just their fasting journey, but the weight loss journey, you can go to the website, download that. If you're wondering about insulin resistance, you're like, what the heck is that? I'm new. How, what am I talking about? You can go back and listen to episode 100, which is kind of a reset and a, a starting point um, of some of the episodes that will explain more of the basics of what it is that we do and why. And uh, the insulin assessment is also on the website. This is to, to mm-hmm. a subjective look at um, do you potentially have insulin resistance? And is that the underlying cause of some of your issues? And that was the underlying theme of today's conversation, Tommy, too, which is we always try to relate it back to the physiology of why fasting was so impor- uh, powerful for us. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really excited that we finally ripped the band aid off on this one.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, there was so much to unpack here, so many different interconnection points, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we started the conversation because I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of folks out there with so many question marks and not sure which direction to head.
0: Yeah. And just, you know, one day it flares up the next day it no, it doesn't. Right. So sure. let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, uh, drop us a review. Uh, we prefer the five-star kind, but we also like honesty and transparency as well. Absolutely. Um, head to the website, download one of the guides, download the insulin assessment. As always, Tommy, appreciate the time and the conversation and we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you. Bye. So, you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today.
0: Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts make sure to leave us a five-star review and we'll be back next week with another episode of fasting for life.